This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're really proud of Timeline. We're going to reimagine Windows. Microsoft is announcing the breakthrough game console called Xbox. We've created a platform attuned to consumers' changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And today, we're introducing Nexus 7. This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. Welcome to it. Marco Flalo, Mitchell Whitfield with you on Twitter. We are at Your Tech Report. Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report online. What an awesome show we've got lined up for you this week. CES again about two weeks ago. Lots of coverage from there. Nintendo had their event this week, Mitchell. Uh, we're going to oh, be talking yes. to Josh Stein at Microsoft, all about Xbox and social media. A very cool company, ZTE. Their, one of their executives, Jeff Yee, is going to join us to tell, about, tell us about a crowdfunded phone that's available now for pre-order on Kickstarter. Very, very cool. But we have like we have you know weeks and weeks worth of, of things to get to. And, and the first and most important, Mitchell, is we got this really cool pair of headphones, these beautiful wireless headphones from the source, and we did a contest on YouTube, and we have to give that away. We, we, we do, and uh, we told you guys a long time ago, and uh, we have a lot of stuff to give away. We have great relationships. As Mark said, in this case, the folks uh, at the source were kind enough to give us these Monster Clarity HD headphones in their exclusive red color. And Mark, we have a winner, and we that do. winner is... That winner is, is Crystal Murphy. Crystal Murphy, she followed us on Twitter. She retweeted us. She subscribed to our channel. She commented on the video. She did everything she needed to get the most amount of entries we've Stuck them all into a big hat. It's a real big top hat kind of thing that I have. Really here. big hat. Yeah, yeah, really I love big that. hat. I so, uh, <laughs> so we're gonna we're obviously gonna get in touch with Crystal and uh, coordinate all the details. But she is like one of our one of our biggest first giveaways for this year. It's awesome. Yeah. We're really excited about this, and we're really we're really upping our YouTube presence, and we encourage you guys to subscribe because we are going to be giving stuff away throughout the year, throughout next year, and the year after, God willing. So all you have to do is subscribe to our channel. As Mark said, we make it really easy for these giveaways. In most cases, subscribing and then making a comment on the video will get you in, and then there are other ways to enter multiple times, as Mark said, with the retweeting and following us on Twitter. Congratulations to Crystal. For those of you who didn't win... Keep an eye on the YouTube channel because oh, yeah. we have more stuff coming up very, very soon. And if you haven't, you know, followed us and stuff, follow us on social media again. On Twitter, it's at your tech report, Facebook.com slash your tech report, and YouTube, subscribe to our channel. Really cool videos, really cool products. We have the exclusive of that Linksys Velop. Matt Whelan's going to be on next week with us. This week, again, you know, we're, we're going to talk all about that Nintendo Switch event, Mitchell, because earlier this week they announced their brand new console. David Weir is going to join us from Glasgow, Scotland to go into all those details. So if you're wondering why we're not going to talk about it right now, it's because we're going to dedicate a whole segment to it in just a couple moments. Oh, by the way, did you did you give our, our YouTube, you know, YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report Online. Tech Report online. Yeah, yeah, I, I wanna, listen, I really want to make sure we're pushing this thing because I'm excited about this. YouTube is this great big place for people to watch videos, and now we're a part of it, and we're giving all this great stuff away. So I want to make sure people know where to go. Some very cool stuff that happened this week. Um, Earlier this week, Echobee, they have one of those smart thermostats that are connected to Apple's HomeKit platform. You don't need to have HomeKit. You don't need to have an iPhone to use it. They upgraded their thermostat, Mitchell, with a software update. They did something really cool. Now, what sets Echobee apart from the other thermostats 
stats like Nest and, and Honeywell's Lyric is they have these little remote sensors. These sensors okay. you place throughout your house to measure the temperature so that it can really make sure that it's doing whatever it needs to cool your home. So if it's you know warmer in one area, it's going to boost the overall cooling temperature to try and cool down the house until it gets to a nice happy medium. Well, these sensors now have another purpose, a really cool purpose, and this is they are now motion sensors. They were motion oh. sensors before, but they are now independent motion sensors that you can use if you're using the whole smart home technology to trigger events. So for example, when someone walks by this motion sensor, turn on this light. Or when someone walks by this one, do blah, blah, blah. So they've really just completely expanded their product lineup with a software update that was honestly never, no one ever heard of, no one ever thought this was coming. And they made these the most inexpensive motion controllers for HomeKit. You know, you know why you're making me want to switch away from my Nest and go to Echo B because this makes perfect sense, Mark. You mentioned that you could put the sensors in different rooms. The problem with most thermostats is most people have it in a common area, like a hallway. Problem is, hallways tend to get a little cooler than most areas, yes. so it gives it doesn't give you a true temperature reading of how the house is. But as you said, like for example, on my Nest thermostat, it has away mode. If you're if it doesn't get somebody walking by yep. wherever the thermostat is placed, which is where the sensor is in the thermostat, then it thinks you're not home and will adjust it. You know the temperatures accordingly. Well, if I don't happen to walk through my hallway and I am home, it won't think that I'm home. Having these sensors like the Echo Bee has all over the place where you can put them in different locations, it can tell that you're home when you're no matter what room you're in. So yeah. for me, that's a big win and that makes it a little smarter than the Nest you know, smart thermostat. I kind of like that. It's kind of cool and I, I do encourage you to do it. I did make the switch as well from Nest to Echo Bee. And uh, oh. by the way, Echo Bee is also controllable by your Amazon Echo as well. So don't worry about it. Oh, anything. I love that. You can set your home to whatever temperature you want. Um, uh, Uber directly integrated with Google Maps now. So if you have Google Maps on any platform, you can now hail an Uber. You can see where the car is and everything right from Google Maps. Very cool, like a small addition, but really enhances the offering that Google has over Apple Maps and any other navigation software. Absolutely, and we talked about this a long time ago. The, the fewer the fewer things you are forced to do in order to get what you want uh, is usually the best way. And in this case, if you're looking at the map, you don't want to have to leave the map to open the app to get a you know to get an Uber. Anything you can do to streamline the process for the end user is going to be a win for you. And I think this is going to encourage people to be using Google Maps even more than they already do. It's still the most popular mapping software in the world. So I I, I think this is a really cool thing. It's really smart for people that like to use Uber. And now they also Google said that they're also working on a way that you're going to be able to actually book and completely pay for your entire ride without leaving the Google Maps app. You wouldn't even need the Uber app installed on your device. So it's really cool. It's like it's cool to see the integration of these two. It's almost a natural fit in your mind if you think about it, which is kind of cool. Um, next, like month, yeah. next month, yep. we're expecting Android Wear 2.0. This is the uh, the second version of the watch OS that you know all these Google watches have been coming out with. The, the kind of cool thing here is that... Um, they're going to allow apps on every single device to be downloaded to the watch. I'm talking about whether you're using iOS, whether you're using Android, whether you're using even a Microsoft device, you're going to be able to download things directly to the watch regardless of the kind of platform that you're on. Okay, so we're not just talking about, you know, the app on your phone will be able to control the watch seamlessly, no matter if you're using Android or iOS. The watch itself is basically going to become platform agnostic and accept apps from the iOS ecosystem as well. Correct. 
That is brilliant. And that is smart. Google is getting it because people know we use different services. We use different company for different ser- companies for different services. And the, the watch that has the most open platform is going to be the one that, you know, is most accessible. Now, the problem is we still, I don't think we've, I think our friends at at t were going to get the latest gear in our hand, correct? Yes, they were that, working on yeah. that. We should, we should push yeah. on that. Maybe uh, yeah, talk I, I have to, to call somebody. Meredith, our friend Meredith over there. But yeah, I'd like to try one of these and see how the iOS apps actually work on that watch. So I'm, I'm looking forward to trying that out. Uh, Sonnet is a company that uh, releases, they, they kind of do like uh, these off-board peripherals. And they announced a really cool device that I think you're going to be all, all over because what it is, it's a Thunderbolt 3 to PCIe card expansion system. This means that you can plug into, for example, your new MacBook Pro because it's designed for the MacBook Pro. You plug in right. one cable to this little expansion bay and you can use any or at least the compatible for now, PCI Express expansion slots. This is big on servers. This is big on uh, networking. This is big on graphics. You'll be able to plug in an external graphics card and drive data through that graphics card to a monitor, meaning that you're expanding the capabilities of your brand new MacBook Pro exponentially. You know, and we also were talking about Apple had been talking about previously putting a graphics card in one of their new monitors. Well, they didn't come out with a new monitor. They have a partnership with LG, and now LG makes exclusive monitors for Apple. So we didn't see that happen. This is the next best thing. So I'm, I'm thinking, Mark, into the future, if, when and if they make a new Mac Mini, uh, a, a little computer that Apple makes that, does no, that no longer has a graphics card, this is a great solution. If they make that, have Thunderbolt 3, you can actually power your Mac Mini, make it a much more powerful computer. MacBook Pro at least is powerful to begin with, but it's for the lesser power models like, you know, the MacBook Air and such. I think this is a great win. It is your tech report. Mark Flallow and Mitchell Whitfield with you again. Follow along on Twitter. It is at your tech report, facebook.com slash your tech report. Nintendo had their Switch unveiling a couple days ago. David Weir is our gaming editor. He's in Glasgow, Scotland. We're going to ring him up right now on our big old cup and uh, telephone line here. And hopefully he's there waiting for us. And, uh, you know, more treats in store. Josh Stein from Microsoft and lots more right here on your tech report. Stick around. We'll be right back. There's more your tech report after this. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Mark Aflalo and Mitchell Whitfield with you on Twitter. It is at yourtechreport, facebook.com slash yourtechreport. 
And if you go to youtube.com slash online, lots of cool videos. Congratulations to our winner of those beautiful headphones. But now it's time to switch gears, Mitchell Whitfield. Oh, I see what you did right there. And I see what you did with the switch gears. And for yeah. the first time in 2017, welcome David Weir, our gaming editor from Glasgow, Scotland. David, welcome back. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Mitchell's a bit Doing disturbed, great. I think, because that Nintendo Switch announcement last night uh, caused issues in his in his emotions. You know what? I don't know. I don't know how you guys felt about it. It was a very, I'll say, unusual. First of all, we're we're all big Nintendo fans. Grew up playing all the systems. Very excited about the console. The takeaway from all of this, which we'll get to in a minute, is we're excited about this console. But the the keynote, the press event, was very disturbing. Part of it was the English translation. That the people who were doing the English translation were horrible. <laughs> so it made it very, very staggered and very awkward. David, did you feel the same way? As kind of an awkward presentation. Yeah, it was. The, the, the translation especially was a little <laughs> off, especially when they think people, certain people turned up. It, it was, yeah, and it was it was very bizarre. A lot of the demos were kind of interesting, but you know what? Let's let's get to the event itself. Mark, you've seen it. David, I, I've seen it as well. Let's start from the very beginning. We actually have a release date now and a price point. The release date of March 3rd uh, for most territories, although is that, does that include Europe as well? No, that's worldwide. Okay, that's world worldwide release on March 3rd. Yep. Were you guys surprised by this? Because we all thought it would be coming the 19th, the 16th, possibly later. March 3rd was a big... I think a lot of people were surprised by this. I expected it, honestly, not to be seen until E3. I know that March was kind of there. I thought we'd get some information, but not actually see the console this quickly after an announcement like this. Well, I think they said I think they said it would come out in March. They announced we just didn't know what date specifically. And I think because of what you're saying, Mark, we all assumed it would be on the on the later end as it yeah. almost always is when it comes to it. But David, price point, I think you guys both owe me one because we have to I know we have to pull up the record from the show where we made our predictions and I said it had to come in before, below, you know, 349 and you guys said there's no way with a tablet that they, they, they came in at 299. What do you guys think of this? I think it's 399 Canadian, so somehow I win. And <laughs> no, that's not that's just because it's a strong American dollar right now. But what do you price? I mean, a Canadian being, of course, a little bit higher. Price point, good, bad. I think it kind of hits the sweet spot now. Yeah, no, I'm really surprised by the price point. That said, though, I did mention that I would be disappointed if the tablet was less than 1080p undocked and was worrying about battery life. And battery life doesn't look great, and it's only a 720p tablet. So that leads us into the specifications. What do we know about this actual device spec-wise, David? Okay, so first things first, it's got a 720p tablet. It battery life's about 2.5 to 6.5 hours, depending Which is a big on range, the, right? That's depending a big on the range. game you're playing. For example, okay. um, if you play a new Zelda game, it's only going to last about three hours. It's to okay. do with processing power, pretty much. Okay. Um, the other thing is, it charges with USB C, which means that's finally becoming a standard on devices that. So we don't have to worry about micro USB. We don't have to worry about lightning cables or thing. It's a standard USB charger, so you can plug it into pretty much anything with a USB C port or a USB port for that matter. And I think everyone right now at Apple is smiling, saying, hey guys, leave us alone about the MacBook Pro because we're not the only one that's sort of adopting this new standard. The difference being, of course, that it will transmit the actual Switch console, will transmit its data, its video, over traditional HDMI. It won't be using USB-C for both charging and video, correct? Yeah. It okay. also comes with a custom Tegra processor, which is an um, upgraded version of the processor you find in the NVIDIA Shield. And it's only got 32 gig of internal storage. Oh, internal storage. That's not RAM. That's actual storage no, that's for games and everything. No, that's your actual storage. 
Okay. Which, uh, considering the fact that most new consoles have 500 terabyte, 500 gig. But, but is that going to be expandable through SD yes. or micro SD? Okay. So you, you'll be expandable between micro SD and micro SD XD. So okay. you can do, so, so I mean, those XC cards are now coming out at like 500 gig. And yeah. there, there's terabyte ones at CES this year. I mean, this is not something you can't upgrade. And you know what? I don't think, Mark, I don't know how you feel about this, but I want to hear how you feel about this. Basically, internal storage to me for a console, obviously, my Xbox, one of my Xbox One S's, I have a two terabyte, and I love it because everything is internal. I don't have to worry about expandable storage. Everything's there. Yet, that being said, I, I don't really mind the Nintendo console coming in at 32 because I know it's expandable. I also know the games, traditionally, Nintendo games don't take up as much room of internal storage as, let's say, a, a more visually demanding PS4 or Xbox. Xbox One game would, you know, would dictate. So I don't really mind it that much. I would have liked to have seen a bigger hard drive, a minimum of 128 or 256, but it's not a deal breaker for me. I don't know if it is for you guys. As, lo- as long as it's expandable in some way, shape, or form with the SD or an external hard drive, I don't think it's a, an issue whatsoever. If there was no expandability, if they took like the Apple route at this, where they had no expandability whatsoever, I'd say that's like, this is really annoying. Now, right. David, in terms right. of the screen resolution, I don't think 720 on the portable version is really a deal breaker. I understand your point of view. I would almost have expected 1080p on the actual, you know, the, the handheld unit itself and maybe 4K when it's docked. That would have been but cool. I'm, that would have been neat and something. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, considering we're used to using things like phones, you know, 720p on a handheld device like that, not a deal breaker in my mind. Well, I think I mean, it wouldn't be yeah. so much if it wasn't for the fact the screen's a lot larger than your average phone. Right. I think that's where you're going to see the, the fidelity drop. I mean, yeah, if it was just a, like a smartphone screen, then fine. But I think six, a 6.2 tablet screen, you're going to see like a serious quality drop. But, but you know what? Here's my feeling on this. And I want to move on because we have a lot more hardware and games to talk about as well. Uh, if you look at the, the Wii U, for example, okay? The Wii U, even though we know it's it's not a high-powered console, the, the visuals are not 1080p on the Wii U, uh, it, it, the graphics, I still think, look brilliant. Even on the Wii U, and I'm talking right now about the Wii U actual tablet that you game on. I think that the graphics somewhere between uh, 480 and, and 600, somewhere in between there. I, I, I don't think that bothers me. I think the graphics still look good because Nintendo's games tend to be stylized and tend to still look good yeah. in a lower resolution. So 720p for me is not a big deal. But I want to transition now, taking away from the console itself, and actually go to the other part of the hardware, which is the controllers. Guys, there are things with this Joy-Con controller, these two Joy-Con controllers, things they can do that Nintendo kept pretty well hidden, including this new HD rumble feature. I saw it's pretty this, cool. When they demonstrated this, and they they uh, they compared it to holding a glass of water or an empty glass, and right. you can feel the ice cubes coming into the glass and the water pouring into it, I need to get my hands on this. Like, this made it a, <laughs> I must feel this to see how this could possibly be true. It reminds me of when Force Click, you know, first came to the Mac. Right. See, you know, I watched that and then just thought, do you remember when the Wii came out and everyone saw the Wiimotes and just went, hmm, that would make a really good Star Wars game and then nothing really came of it. <laughs> I looked at that and just went, I could feel the lightsaber turn on. Please, why? I want a Force game now that is Joy-Con in one hand for Force powers, the what Joy-Con in the other as my lightsaber, and then turn into a Sith and murder everything. But, you know... <laughs> And you know what? I don't know why we're surprised by hearing that, and I don't know why we're surprised with a Star Wars reference that you would put yourself on the dark side. To me, it's actually the perfect marriage. But we're talking about these two controllers. I okay. So when the system, the system can be used in three modes. I think we kind of knew this. We have TV mode, which is traditional gaming console mode. Docked. You have the controller. Yeah, yeah docked. It's docked in its dock. The the system. Uh, you have the Joy-Con controllers on its base, so it acts like a regular traditional controller. The two sides in the middle, and then you're playing a regular video game. Then we have, of course, what we 
we call uh, standalone mode or multiplayer split screen mode, where you actually take the tablet out and has a little kickstand, right, David? Yeah, Nintendo are referring to it as tabletop mode. Tabletop mode, sorry. Okay, so yeah. tabletop mode. Um, yeah, and it has a little kickstand, and you can either use the controller as you would in TV mode, or right. you can separate them out and use them as sort of little Wiimote type ideas. And you can even and, and share it, those with friends. Like, you can actually play multiplayer games, give someone else your, your little remote, and actually play games against each other. Yeah, and they're, yeah. They're, I think they're building this as sort of a social mode, because they said you could have up to eight uh, switches uh, sort of daisy-chained wirelessly together to game together. If you don't have want to have a couple of people or a few people hovering over one propped up on the table with the kickstand, uh, each person using their own half of the Joy-Con, uh, you can actually have multiple systems kind of daisy-chained together. And I think this is good. I think it, it really makes it sort of a, a more social console. And they, they they also had some games that took advantage of these new controllers. What is it, the one, what is it called? One-two-switch? Is that what it's called? One-two-switch is yeah, like the one- back and forth kind of like you can have various things where you're going against each other. There was and you don't arms. even have to interact yeah, with the screen, yeah. right? Well, that was the you point. You don't have to interact with the screen. Go yeah. ahead, David. No, no, one, two, switch was their, their sort of mini game sort of collection of various games that you could play, even like like quick draw things, things that you didn't right. actually have to be looking at the screen to do. Um, only thing is, I looked at it and went, why is this not a WarioWare game? Because that's exactly <laughs> what that game is. It was just like, you could have just used WarioWare and we'd have all bought it instantly. They could have put a proprietary skin on it, made it familiar, yeah, exactly. and made it instant sales. Now, am I crazy here, guys? Because we're talking about, of course, uh, all the games that are going to be coming out now. Uh, I want to talk about that now in terms of release date. Am I nuts? Or as, so, so, as far as we can see, of course... Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, well, that's another big reveal, will be a release title on March 3rd. There was a lot of talk about, was it going to get pushed back? Would it actually make the release? As far as I can see, though, the only two release day titles are 1-2 Switch and uh, Breath of the Wild. Is that right, or am I missing something? No, so far that's the only titles that have been confirmed for launch. Um, Super Mario Odyssey is not coming out till November of, ne- of this year. Uh, Splatoon 2 is coming out in summer. I think Mario Kart 8? Deluxe comes out and launch as well. I don't think it. I didn't see a launch no? date. I didn't see a launch date for that. Which is, and this is what. Our, our, here's a big, big picture question for you guys: Is Nintendo falling into the same trap? And Nintendo has always put out good consoles, great first party games, Mark and David. But are they falling into the same trap? Which is, they release these consoles and don't release software even within a release window. And I'm talking about release day right now, but release window extends out a few months. Yeah. Are they falling into the same trap of not supporting their new systems with first party games? Because it seems to me that's the same issue we're going to have with this system. Oh, I don't think that's even slightly a doubt. I think we're going to have that everywhere. I think from the point it comes out in March 3rd, I don't think we're going to see a brand new first party title apart from Zelda until midsummer. And right, that's and, uh, just too long. And the Mario game is going to be coming out. I don't know. I think they said Splatoon maybe in April. Uh, Mario not coming out maybe till summertime. Is that right? I know we no, have no. these. Splatoon comes out in the summer. It oh, said Splatoon summer is 20s. summer. Yeah, okay. and Mario is holiday 2017. Didn't they? Okay, now didn't they <sighs> say that Zelda's going to come out on launch uh, on Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, no, no, Zelda's coming out on launch. It is on launch. No, but so Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon, they yeah. had not announced at that point, guys, that Zelda would officially launch with the, with with the, the Nintendo okay, Switch. There was no yeah. announcement. We, I think there were a lot of rumors about that. Here, here's my issue. When you look at a game like uh, Mario Kart 8, there's an updated version of Mario Kart, Mario Kart 8 that they're coming out with, right? Yeah. That is basically a port, a reskin of an existing game that's been out for years now. Yeah. It's a first-party title. We're not talking about them taking a third-party title and having to port and convert it into Nintendo's system. It's a Nintendo game built on a probably very similar system to the Switch, yet that's not going to be ready for launch. 
I don't know why Nintendo does it. And I'm excited about this console. I want to have games to buy. It just seems odd to me that even a first-party game that's a port of an older game with some new bells and whistles can't be around for launch. I don't know why they're doing that. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one. I think we need to see what... I think Nintendo also will be telling us more stuff towards the end of the start of the launch. We might see better things. Honestly, though, I mean, we're at a point where all we can do is wait and see. Obviously, okay. obviously and, they wanted to, to get the console out. So March 3rd of the launch date, uh, we said it's like at $299 in the U.S. or $249? $299, $299 yeah. in the U.S. It's $399 in Canada. How much is it for you, David, and overseas? It's $249? No, $279 uh, British pounds. That's <sighs> including tax, unlike your prices. Yeah, thanks. Why does he have to get a little that. dig in there? He, he always has he to always get a dig get in there. That David... Uh, uh, we're going to get hands-on to this. Obviously, we're going to have way more way more feelings about this when it comes out. Thanks again for joining us. Obviously, more show coming up. Right after a quick break, we're going to talk to a company called ZTE. They make a lot of phones, and they've got a very cool project lined up. Plus, Josh Stein from Microsoft talking all about social media when it comes to the Xbox. There's more Your Tech Report after this.